Amen. And the Holy Ghost has prompted me to bring this to you tonight. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Galatians, 6th chapter, verses number 7, 8, and 9. In Galatians, everybody say praise the Lord. You know, you're really blessed here or not tonight, whether you believe it or not, to have a man that still will stand in the gap and preach the Word of God. Amen. We're living in a compromising times. Amen. If you'd been places where I've been, where you've seen multitude of the congregation with beards and mustaches and all the works, claim the Holy Ghost, and uh, uh, I tell you what, it don't look like what uh, the real church is supposed to look like. Amen. I'm talking about full of everything. Amen. God has set you into church and uh, we're a man that loves the truth of God. Amen. Praise God. Brother and Sister Lee are precious people. And, uh, you know, really, uh, if you learn to love them, uh, you'll be much wiser and much richer in God. Amen. I want to use the Galatians, the sixth chapter. Starting with verse number 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh, shall the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit, shall the Spirit reap everlasting life. Life everlasting, I'm sorry. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Amen. I've heard a lot of stories at uh, children and so forth that was helping their daddy plant the field. And they got towards the evening time. They just wanted to get rid of the seed right quick. So they just put it in an old stump somewhere. Not realizing it ever come up. And then uh, after a while, find out that the rain, the sun, and so forth would bring it forth. And it would cause them to get a severe whipping <laughs> for wasting the seed in a stump. Amen. You know, it's a strange thing. You put, well, it's not strange. It's the law of God. You put wheat into the ground, wheat comes up. You put corn into the ground, corn comes up. Amen. And so it's the same way with your life and your walk with God. Amen. What you give to God, God in return gives back to you. When you worship God in return, He uh, lets you feel His presence. Amen. I want to preach tonight in the book of Ruth. Amen. Ruth is a, uh, you don't need to turn. You can turn in a little while if you like to, but... The book of Ruth is so beautiful, and uh, and I, I can't help but rejoice as I begin to read the book of Ruth. Amen. And uh, I'll take my text in just a short while, give you a, a title for it, but uh, we want God to have his way here tonight. Amen. Would you pray with me, everyone? God, speak to my heart that I might be saved. God, speak to my heart, Lord, that I might be saved. Touch your people, God. These are precious people. I ask you, Lord, to lay your hand upon them, Lord, and strengthen them. Help them, O oh God, we pray. I ask you, Lord, to put us, Lord, in the palm of your hand. Lord, speak to us tonight, God, we pray. Help us, O oh Lord. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. You can be seated tonight. Amen. Paul, writing to the book of Galatians, to the people of Galatians, he began to write, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that sought to his flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. But he that sought to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap everlasting life. It's so beautiful 
to to uh, to give to the things of God and to the work of God, knowing that uh, that uh, God in return, Amen, comes to our rescue. In the book of Ruth, if you'd like to turn with me for a while tonight, Amen. In the very first verse, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem of Judea went to sojourn in the country of the Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Amen. Now everybody say famine. Amen. Now she, they should have learned one thing, that there may be a famine periodically, and it seems like that they can't obtain that which they need to obtain from God. But the Bible, God, all through the Bible, God has always supplied the need. He always had a reservoir somewhere in order to, to feed His people. Amen. We might say there's a famine. Amen. Let's go to another place, another city. I mean, we have that constantly. A moving spirit. We get in, you know. I can do so much for God if I live so somewhere else. I've heard that story many times. I could... Uh, well, I need to go into a smaller church where I could do more for God. Amen. But I want you to know that the opportunity lies right at your doorstep. Amen. Number one, as soon as God begins to bless, amen, a moving spirit will come. So it was to Imelech. I guess Imelech, let's put it this way. I feel that Imelech did not have the backbone as he needed to have in order to stay still. And to stand still to see the salvation of God. Evidently, there was something that uh, the pressures and so forth that he agreed with his wife to go into the land of Moab. And to, because they heard that there was plenty of food there. We'll get with it in just a few minutes. But I want to say to you tonight, amen. I've heard people say, I can do so much for God. If I was just in Africa, how great it would be. And you know, I have, uh, God has blessed me with, I've seen a lot of miracles and so forth. I have saw things in my church that I have never seen anywhere else. I heard people talk about going to the foreign land and hear them speak in the English language. Amen. I've seen people from across the border of Mexico come, couldn't speak no English whatsoever, and get the Holy Ghost beautiful English. Amen. I've seen the deaf and the dumb come up and receive the Holy Ghost talking tongue in my church. Amen. One night, it really startled me. There was a man that had brought his friend, and they both was Mexican, and they were Spanish people. And uh, I preached, and he cried, but he didn't know what was going on. His friend was trying to tell him and relate to him. And so he came up for prayer. It was on this side of the platform. I never will forget. And I, I told the young man, I said, Now you tell him to repent of his sins, and I'll tell you how to tell him to do it. So he, the Spanish boy, he was telling him how to do it. And I said, Now you tell him that when he fully repents, he'll get the Holy Ghost. And so he told him, and I said, Now, when I anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord, you'll get the Holy Ghost, begin to speak with other tongues, that the Spirit of the Lord give the utterance. Well, the Mexican boy told his friend that. And so he was all, I said, Now, you tell him now that when I touch him, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon him. And when I laid my hand upon him, I began to talk in tongues and, and praise the Lord, worship him. And the boy that I laid my hands on after a few minutes, I mean, I had my eyes closed. In a few minutes, I opened my eyes, and he looked at me. His eyes were so big. And he just startled. He looked at me and looked at me. And I wondered, well, what did I do? You know, I mean, what was the deal? And so uh, he stopped and he talked to his friend. And uh, this is what he told him because his friend, the Spanish boy, told me he could speak English. And he said, he said, Brother Davis, he said, uh, uh, when you laid hands on him and uh, when you was speaking a language 
which he even said the talking in tongues, he understood what it was. He said, you were speaking the language he understood because below the Mexican border there was a tribe of Indians where he had been there for several months and years, and he understood their language, and he said, you were, you were uh, talking to him in the in English Indian language, and he understood everything you said. Amen. Now, we, we, we hear this. all the, You hear missionaries come by and say this. Amen. I had, a, I had a black man one time come to my church. I don't know whether he'd come in there as a friend or as what. But he came up to the front, and he wanted me to anoint him with oil and pray for him. And I anointed him with oil. And it was like when I laid hands on him, his eyes were open. And when I laid hands on him, God hit him like, like a bullet. I, I've, I've seen unusual things. He hit him. I mean, he just, he throwed him or our, from our pulpit to the front pew. It's lot, uh, oh, probably to maybe the third pew back there. And uh, uh, when I laid hands on him, he, he just, pow, right back. I mean, just instantly. He hit that first pew and slid down it with his eyes open. And he looked at me and he wondered what in the world hit him. He never took his eyes off of me. He grabbed the side of that pew and he raised himself up and he backed over to the middle of the aisle and he walked all the way down that aisle with his eyes open looking at me. And he got to the end of the church and when he did, boy, he looked at the door and he looked at me and away he went. Amen. I want you to know that in we are serving a God, a powerful God. There's nothing he cannot do. I mean, now I'll never know until I get to heaven what the story was on that. I don't know. I don't know why God did it and worked with him like he did. I don't know. Amen. God works in such mysterious ways. There was a lady come to me just a few days ago. She said, uh, Brother Davis, she said, amazing thing. She said, I, uh, I, uh, I'm not going to tell you the complete story, but she said, I was asking God for a decision. And she said, now, Lord, I have got to have an answer from you. And she said, I've got to know that which I'm doing is your perfect will or not. And I didn't know. I mean, she never talked with me. She never confirmed with me whatsoever. I didn't know. I mean, she, uh, I'm sure, I mean, she come to church all the time and everything like that. But as far as telling me what she was putting the petition for God, I did not know. And I went back to her just a few weeks ago. And uh, before, maybe after the choir sung, I don't know. But I went back here one part of the service. And I laid hands on her. And I said, thus saith the Lord. And I said, that which you've asked God. I said, you are in his perfect will, saith the Lord. And I just walked away. And after church was over with, she just was startled. And she called me a couple of days later. She said, Brother Davis, she said, I was forced with a decision, and I had to know the mind of God, whether I was doing the mind of God or not. And she said, I told my husband, she said, it is the most startling thing I've ever seen. She said, I asked God what well, I drove into the parking lot. And she said, and Brother Davis came back here, and, and, and the Lord spoke through me, and I gave her the, the revelation of what God wanted, and, and I didn't know nothing about it whatsoever. And I didn't know until she told me. Amen. Now, this, that's the church, the church that he died for. Amen. Everybody say, praise the Lord. You see, there was a famine in the land. Stay with me just a while. There was a famine in the land, and she said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to run. You see, that's what the devil likes to people, get, get them to run. Get them to quit praying. Get them to quit witnessing and so forth. I mean, you know, we're revival. We're out of revival. Amen. You know, let me just clear your mind just for a few minutes. I'm a pastor. Amen. Uh, I'm supposed to be anyway. And... Um, but uh, many times we feel like now if we can just have a revival for two or three weeks, man, we're going to see a move of God. People are going to come in by the score. 20, 30 people are going to get the Holy Ghost. Man, we're going to have a time. 
I went to my church one time in a 17-week revival with a man. Amen. 17 weeks was there. I mean, it was, it was solid. Amen. And uh, we had a great move. I was reaching for the stars. Amen. I was looking for God to do something spectacular. I was, man, we'd seen people. I mean, one or two, three people got the Holy Ghost. Not many, just three or four. And he kept telling about this, that, and the other was going to happen and so forth. And finally, I just got, I got tired of just saying, well, the church is suffering because of the giving and so forth. And they was giving and coming out all the time. And they was expecting and, and kept looking and so forth. And, and I got down to business. I began to pray. I sought the face of God. I buried my head in the carpet. I said, God, I want an answer. I want an answer from you, Lord. And when I began to pray and seek the Lord, the Lord spoke to me. And he said these words. He said, the revival that I send to the church will come through you. He said, it's the unconscious growth like a seed. A seed goes into the ground and it lies there. But when it dies, when it fully dies, then it germinates and comes forth. Amen. And so the church, when the church gets as it needs to be in the eyes of the Lord, then the unconscious growth comes. And he told me, the Lord told me, he said, it will come on Wednesday night. It will come on Sunday morning. And it will come on Sunday night. The growth that I send you. Amen. Now, just let me just clear your mind just a little bit. Don't wait for a sign out front that says, Revival Services. Revival is in my church every Wednesday night, Sunday morning and Sunday night. I've seen more people receive the Holy Ghost on Sunday morning. Amen. I, I didn't used to see that, but I made up my mind we're going to have people get the Holy Ghost on Sunday morning. We have a lot of visitors that come. Amen. And I, and I, and I revolutionized it and, and give an altar call every Sunday morning. And people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. They come in on Wednesday night. They come in on Sunday morning and Sunday night. You've got to have a revival. Amen. And there's the office of the teacher. Amen. The fivefold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. All of this fivefold ministry is the work of God. But let me say this, though. Don't be looking. Don't be looking for something to come. It's already here. Are you, are you tuning me in? Don't wait till, well, maybe Brother Dave's come back. We'll have a great move of God. Amen. Don't wait on me. He's God. He's the one. I can't fill him. He does it or whoever may come to preach for you. Amen. But what it is, when you begin to make your mind up, I'm going to have revival. Amen. And the growth of the church will come. I promise you, it'll come. It has come in my church. My church is full from the front to the back. Amen. It is full because of the unconscious growth. Amen. Praise the Lord. Here we find a famine in the land. And so am I. I mean, we've just got to just do something. You know, famine, you know. I've had people come to me and say, I've just got to go to another city. I've just, one man came to me and said, Brother Davis, i just got to move. He said, I've got to make more money. And I said, uh, I said, well, let me pray about it. And so I prayed about it. And I went to him. I said, no, you can't move. And he looked at me and he said, well, okay, whatever you tell me. I said, no, you can't move. This was 10 years ago. And so uh, I, I took up, an, uh, we was buying some property. We got seven and a half acres of land where the church sits. And, and when I went there, they just had just a little small plot. And I kept buying, I kept buying, I kept buying. Had the church well over $100,000 in debt one time. People, then some scallywag said, oh, the church will never be able to survive. And we're going to lose the church. And, and we're going to have a lot, of, a lot of room and so forth, but no people and so forth. Because he's such a hard preacher. Amen. And they had all kind of rumors, everything else going along. Amen. Within three years, I paid it all off. Amen. It was less than three years. Amen. And it was all paid off. Totally, completely paid off. Amen. And uh, we built another building. Amen. The last couple of years. And it was just a small amount on it. And we paid off. I could pay off for the first year. I made up my mind to do it. Amen. Because there's no slackness in God. Amen. God, we have not because we ask not. Amen. 
But uh, I told him, I said, no. And I remember one night, I took up an offer, and I said, we, we need to buy some property. I said, I'll give the first $1,000. I don't have it, but I said, well, I'll get it some way or another. And the only way that a ministry can receive it is by preaching and so forth, and, and God giving it to him. That's the only way he can get it. I don't, I've never went to another means of any type of work, even since God called me to preach his word. And, uh, and so he came up to me, the same man came. He said, if you can give that much, I can give that much. And so he said, now I want you to pray for me that I go to the bank. I'm going to borrow the money in my name. And he said, I'll lay a check on the desk. He said, in your office. He said, if I can borrow the money. And I said, all right. And so he went and he borrowed it. And the next day, there's a check laying on the desk for $1,000. And he went and borrowed it. And he made the payments and so forth himself. Not the church. Him. He did it. And, uh, and so he told me, he said, uh, oh, about six months went by. And, uh, and he told me, he said, Brother Davis, he said, I need another home. My home is old. And he said, I want you to pray for me. I get another one. I told him. So I prayed. And I said, sure, go on and get you another one. He got him another one. He went back and told his boss where he worked. I just got me another home. And uh, the boss said, well, he said, you'll need more money for that home since you bought another home. He said, I'll just give you $100 a month raise. And he said, better than that, he said, that old car you've been driving. He said, you need a better car than that. He said, just go down to any dealer you want to, pick you out a new car. And he said, it'll be, we'll give you the money for the payment for the car, but the car will be yours to live and to do whatever you want to do with it. From now on, we're going to furnish you with a new car. The same man that had the moving spirit. And then it wasn't long that uh, raises after raises came. And here, uh, about uh, six months ago, Six months ago, we was having a prayer meeting in the church, and he laying on the floor, just praying and weeping, sobbing God, before God. And I walked on, laid hands, and I said, Thus saith the Lord, the Lord will show you his glory in just a few days. It was less than two weeks that his boss came to him and said to him, He said, You do a much better job of running the company than what I do. He said, I want to make you the president of the company. That man makes good money. But he was just a locksmith. He was just key and locks when I went there. That's all he was doing. And he'll tell you tonight, I don't care where that man goes, what he tells me, I'll do it. Amen. Utmost confidence. Amen. Here was a, a family. Let me get into the Word of God. Here was a family. And they said, man, we're starving to death. We've got to go somewhere else. And I want you to look at what happened. You know the story well. The Bible said, Imelech died. He died. Boy, what a terrible price to pay. Imelech died. And it wasn't long that the two boys, they died. Now, this happened within 10 years. Listen to me. It didn't happen overnight. The Bible says, uh, Scorpio says approximately 10 years. Whether it was, I don't know how long it was, but we'll just say 10 years. That's what he says, and, and that's a pretty good figure. It probably was that. Here was a man that went there, and, and his wife, maybe she was the persuasive one to get him to go. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But we do know one thing, that finally she lost everything. She lost everything. Now, I'm going to preach tonight about the Moabite on the back. I'm going to preach about the sadness and the sorrowness because that, that Ruth went to Moab. She went there, and she was so far down that finally her two uh, daughter-in-law said, we'll go, we'll go where you want us to go, and your God will be my God. And so with one fell aside, and, and I'm not going to tell you and talk to you about the story of Ruth. I'd love to, but I'm not going to talk to you about Ruth. But what I want to talk to you about is Naomi. And the Bible said when they, all the city went out to meet her, when she came back to the city, and they said, oh, Naomi, oh, Naomi, oh, Naomi. She said, don't call me Naomi, call me Myra. 
for the Lord hath dealt with me bitterly. She said, I went out, I went out full, came back empty. Now, let's just bring it to the church. I, 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 have, I could tell you stories from now to morning of people that left the church, went out full, and came back empty. Now, that's what I want to preach about. You say, well, preacher, I'll do what I want to do, and I'll go where I want to go. You'll go out full, but you'll come back empty. You'll come back with scars. You'll come back with, with, uh, with things in your soul and filth and so forth. There has been people that have left my church that have one boy, for an example, called my boy a while back. He said, he said Brother Davis, he said, tell everywhere you go. Tell them. He said, it's not worth it. This young man came to my church, prayed through. Uh, well, he came from Oklahoma. And uh, he came to Oklahoma City under Brother Whalen, where he come from. And he hadn't had the Holy Ghost in about six months. He came, and he was very young in the Lord. And, and he had a lot of things and so forth and habits and things. And I got him out of him. And, and, and God began to deal with him. And he felt his call to the work of God. And, and my, how great he felt. Him and Brother Johnny McFall, before they went, before he took his church, they worked a lot of times together. He'll tell you the same story. Uh, or parts of it. He don't know it all, maybe. But, uh, but uh, they worked together. And... Uh, Brother McFall told me one time, he said, I had a dream about him. And he said, I dreamed that we was in top of a high tower. And he said, we were just talking. And he said, all of a sudden, he just jumped off of it. And I watched him as he hit the ground. He just busted wide open. And I wondered, hey, he's so foolish to do something like that. And he told me about it. And I said, that's exactly what he has done. He left and went to Evadale. And I said, that's exactly what the young man done. He had studied the Word of God. He had prayed. He had sought the face of God. He loved God in His way, but he had not died to the entanglements of the world. And you know, he was a, he was a pretty good-looking old young boy, really. I mean, uh, 20 years of age and, and, uh, and uh, kind of sharp. And, uh, and one night, they come a, a beautiful Delilah into the church. And he looked at me, and he said, and she drove her little uh, uh, Corvette. And uh, and she drove in, and he said, mm, Brother Davis, he said, Now, that's my kind of woman. I said, Leave her alone. I said, She's a Delilah. Leave her alone. Oh, Brother Davis, I can help. I said, You can't help that woman. Listen to me. You can't help her. I took him in the office and scolded him and scolded him. I'd done everything but whip him. Leave her alone. She's no good. But, but she's from another church over. She, she's, she, she's good. And I said, she is no good. She's not worth anything. I know in the Holy Ghost, she's no good. Her looks is deceiving. She'll send your soul to hell. That's what she's going to do. I can help her. I said, no, you can't help her. Well, he, told, he said, well, he said, uh, he, he went out with her. And uh, it wasn't long till they done things that they shouldn't have done. And, and he walked in like a sheepish dog and... And uh, he felt so bad. And uh, in fact, uh, one night, uh, uh, me and the wife drove down the street, and the Lord directed our paths, and and we saw the the car and so forth, and and didn't see the the sin and so forth, but saw the location of it and so forth. And uh, he came back, and and she went her way, and she didn't stay in the church. She went her way, and uh, and uh, he tried to come back in, but he couldn't get it out. He couldn't get it out, and. Uh, so he, he told some. he said, I just got to go back into the world for a while. I've got to. 
And so he went into the world, and he's been in the world probably about two years now. But just a few months ago, he called my boy, my oldest boy, preached here. He said, Brother Bobby, tell everywhere you go. He said, tell them, don't go out there. Whatever they do, don't go out there. It's not worth it. He said, I would to God that I could die. He said, if I could just die, I would feel so wonderful. But I know if I died, I would be lost and go to hell. He said, tell them. You can tell my name. He said, tell them. It's not worth it. He said, they're going to pay for it. He said, I would have given anything in my life had I listened. Amen. You see, young person, when the devil begins to probe at you and begins to... He builds something beautiful, but he never tells you the other part of it. He never tells you the other end of it. He always tells you the bad part of it. Here come Neoma back. Amen. And, oh, don't call me... Call me Myra. Myra. I went out full. Now I don't even have a husband. I don't have nobody at all. I've got all this scars and things in my life. Listen to me. All the days of her life, you cannot find anything beautiful about Naomi. From the time she went back to Bethlehem of Judea, you can't find anything. You find a beautiful story about Ruth, how she married Boaz, and how and, uh, they had a child in Obadad, and which was the father of Jess, and Jess the, uh, the father of David, the beautiful of, jo- of, of, of Ruth. Amen. That's the story we like to read when we read the book of Ruth. But the first part of the first chapter, and the first chapter completing it, speaks about the sin and, 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 and the heartaches that, that, uh, that Neoma went through. Listen to me. When you get in the church, judgment starts at the house of God. There's life and death in the church. Amen. You don't walk in the church and live like you want to and do what you want to do. Amen. I want you to know you're going to stand before God. Amen. Everything that happened before the church, you come to the church. Amen. I want you to know it's going to be washed away. But when you're baptized in Jesus' name, amen, it takes all the sins away. But after that point, amen, there's no longer looking into the world or the things of the world. Because if you look... And you turn around. I want you to know you're going to carry it on your back as long as you live. You know how beautiful it is that, that when a person comes in, a, back, a sinner comes in, an old rank sinner, he comes in, and boy, I feel great. I feel wonderful. I feel great. He can live for God. But how about a backslider when he comes in? It's struggle, 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 struggle. He can't forgive himself. He can't get in his mind out of it. Amen. I've had them by the scores come in my church. I know what I'm talking about. Amen. Scars. Amen. Here is Neoma saying, Oh, I would to God I hadn't went to Moab. If I'd have just stayed out of Moab, everything would have been fine. I lost my husband. I lost my children. Oh, Ruth. She, she said that Ruth was better to her than many children, many boys, and so forth. But every day that she was lonely by herself, you can understand one thing. I would to God that I'd have stayed in Bethlehem of Judea. Oh, if I'd have just stayed out of Moab, how beautiful it would have been. I'm going to preach to you tonight. Everybody say praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord. Praise the Lord. No backbone. Ten years in a far country. Come back. Amen. Destroyed. Her life destroyed. Everything about her. Amen. Don't talk about Moab. Amen. You could hear the words of her. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. How sad it is, amen, to see these situations in life happen this way. 
In the book of Hebrews, let me go to the book of Hebrews just a few minutes. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and verse number 16. It tells us the story. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. I know people that have sold their birthright. Amen. Over uh, uh, maybe a, a, a boy or a girl. Amen. Or a birthright over a cigarette. Or some just small thing that amounted to nothing. Amen. For you know how that afterward that he would have inherited the blessing. He was rejected for he found no place of repentance. Though he sought it carefully with tears. He sought it carefully with tears. Some of the most pitiful crying I have ever heard in all of my life is a person that has been wrapped up in the filth of the world and come back to the house of God with their bitter of tears. Amen. I wish you could have been with me in Fort Wayne. I wish I'd have had some way uh, to, to show you. Amen. I wish I could have had the man's prayers on, on tape. And I wish you could have heard the pitifulness of the boy crying. Here was a young boy about 17 years of age. Amen. I preached one night. He came to the altar and he knelt on this side. Amen. I mean the altar service he prayed from probably 9.30 to almost 11 o'clock. And he wept and he sobbed. Amen. And he cried. And he said, oh, God, if you just forgive me, if you would just have mercy. And I would pray for him. I said, God will forgive He said, God won't. I've been too filthy. I've been too dirty. I've been too rotten. He said, God is not going to forgive me. I seen the tears roll out of his face. He wetted the front of his shirt. He wept and he sobbed. And he cried for an hour and a half. And he never did pray through to the Holy Ghost. We asked him to come back. But he couldn't bring himself out of the environment that he was in. Amen. He loved the truth of God at one time, the pastor said. But because the love of the truth was not him, in him, as it needed to be, God turned him over to believe something, amen, that he should never have believed. Amen. I'll tell you what he was. He was living with another young boy and doing things to one another and so forth. And the filth and the sin that was in his life, he could not forgive himself. I'm talking about a young boy. I'm not talking about an old man. I'm talking about a young boy. There is nothing any more pitiful to see somebody weep and cry. Amen. And can't get through to the Lord. Here it is. It was with Esau. The Bible said he sought it and he sought God with tears. But he found no place of repentance. I want you to think something here. Amen. God, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I'll just go out and have a good time and I'll come back and repent. You have no promise. You are like a dog returning to its own vomit. You're like a hog mollering in the mire. Amen. He is a hog. He'll be a hog. Can a leper change his spots? No. Amen. Can a sinner change his ways? No. The only way that he can change his ways is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. He sought it with tears, but he found no place of repentance. Honey, they are people that seek and pray and find no place of repentance with God. Now, to an ignorant person that doesn't understand the divine mind of God and the will of God or the Word of God, amen, God looks over ignorance many times and, and has mercy upon that person. But when a person is in a spiritual church, even when a person is here, and even what I'm going to preach tonight, amen, I want you to know that God is going to hold you accountable for that which you hear and that which you see. Amen. Let's go a little farther. 
Amen. Neoma said, don't call me Neoma, call me Myra. God has dealt bitterly with me. It never said that she was the prince of Israel. It didn't say that she died in the faith. Amen. It doesn't say that she found a beautiful husband to enhance and to love and so forth. Amen. The Bible paints the picture that she was full of scars. She was full of memory. Amen. She was full of hatred, so to speak. Oh, I would to God that I never would have left the house of God, Bethlehem of Judea. There are people, amen, I'm going to just put this town is full of backsliders that would give everything in their life if they could come back and do it all over again, amen, and seek the face of God. But here you are and your eyes are blinded. You feel like my, I mean, I can have a good time. I can do a great thing. People, amen, that leave the house of God and strange things happen to her. There was a lady that came to my church a while back. Amen. The reason why she came. Amen. She was, she was in the church. Amen. Not while I was there. Before I got there. She was in the church. Amen. She married a man. Amen. And, and she married this man. And uh, she thought a lot of him, evidently. And, uh, and so he was out in the backyard. He was just raking the leaves. And uh, he'd done a very foolish thing. And he wanted to burn them. And so he took a little gasoline can and, and sprinkled it on the, the leaves and the, and the brush that was there. And he got back and he threw a match on it. And some way another that the flames came back to his body and the neighbor said that when I saw him he was nothing but a flaming torch and only part of his body that wasn't burnt was the belt buckle amen the belt where went around him I saw him in Parkland Hospital he was swelled like a wiener that you'd put on top of a of a stove all split and busted pus coming out of his face all over he died a terrible death they put him in a bag and, and you couldn't even open the casket he was in such terrible condition and they buried him and so here what happened here comes the wife now back to the house of God. Here, here she comes back to the church praising and trying to worship the Lord. I prayed her to the Holy Ghost, but she never could get victory over. She thought that God had dealt with her bitterly and very bitterly. And she thought that God, amen, should never have done such a thing as that. And as far as I know, to my knowledge right now, she is not in the house of God. Amen. Because of the bitterness that's in her soul and in her body. You realize that this church, there are people that have been in this church are bitter. Amen. They have the, the, the poison of the viper that's in their mouth. And they're trying to destroy your soul and tell you there'll never be revival. That revival has left a long time ago. I want you to know it's from the devil. The voices of the devil. Amen. There's revival. If the people of the Lord will call on him, worship him, there be revival. There's one thing about it. You don't play with God. You don't play with God. Amen. Be content in whatever state that you're in. That doesn't mean Texas, Oklahoma, and so forth. I'm talking about whether you're up or whether you're down. Amen. As long as you know the Lord and love Him, that's all that matters. Whether you're sick, amen, or whether you're not sick. Whether you feel good or whether you don't feel good. Amen. Love the Lord anyway because there's going to come a day that the sun's going to shine. Everybody say praise the Lord. There is a spirit in this church right now. Amen. The devil has put here to try to block to you what I'm a preaching to you. I can feel it. I know it's here. But devil, you're a liar. I'm trying to share with you. And to keep from you the misery that will come to you if you don't live for God. I got two young girls right now in my church. I can't get them to live right. 
All they want to do, just young, I'm sleep with boys, this, that, the other. You're making yourself a tramp. You're making yourself filthy. Amen. At nighttime, they'll call the wife and begin to talk to her. Oh, people talk about me. She said, how can you expect anything else when you live like a tramp? Amen. That's the life of you. I'm talking about Holy Ghost people that used to sit on the pew and talk in tongues and love God. And they're nothing but harlots, nothing but prostitutes, nothing but the filth and the scum of the city. The worst people in this city, I'll guarantee you, are backslid one God Pentecostal people. Honey, I got them sitting in my church. I know that's what they are. Amen. I've got ex-prostitutes in my church. Amen. I'm talking about the very filth of all of it and came back to the church and reaping all of that in their life. Amen. That one particular I got in my mind right now. Amen. It haunts her. It bothers her. Amen. But she let me know that I am determined. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody does. I'm going to make heaven my home and I'm not going back out there but all the scars that's in her life. Shall we love the Lord? Praise God. Praise God. I wished I could preach to every person that's ever set foot in this church and ever had the Holy Ghost. I like to have one chance to talk to them. To let them know whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Young person, young man, whatever you do, find you a place near God. Amen. Find you a place near the altar of God. Open your heart to the Lord. Seek the Lord with all the that soul, thy mind and strength. Love him. I want you to know that when it's all over, amen, you will become rich in God. God will supply your needs. Amen. He will let you prosper. Amen. Because he's God. Amen. The world will try to pull at you and they'll try to destroy your soul. I have never had any harder time trying to preach than what I'm trying to preach right now. There are spirits in this place. The devil says, hey, you leave them alone. I have come tonight to wake you up. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Honey, you feed filth in the children in your home. You're going to raise up a bunch of hoodlums. You're going to raise up a bunch of children that love not God or the things of God. Hallelujah. Everybody say praise the Lord. The Bible said he sought it with tears, but he could not find a place of repentance. Saul, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 15 and 30. You don't need to hear this. Amen. But the, you don't need to turn there. But the Bible says that he said to the prophet, honor me, Samuel, whatever you do, honor me before the people. That the people may know that the Spirit of God is upon me. Samuel, whatever you do, let the Spirit. Pray for me. Help me. Amen. When Samuel did not kill King, uh, kill King Agag, amen, and all the Amalekites, amen, I want you to know that Saul went to his grave looking for Samuel to speak to him. He even went to the witch of Endor looking for advice. Amen. People that walk out on God, they die miserable, wretched lives, my friend. 
as a man that lives behind my church. I witnessed to him and talked to him. I said, when are you going to come back to church? He said, I'll tell you what, brother, I'm just going to stay in a little while. I'm coming back. I said, I want to tell you something. You're going to pick up some things and you're going to do some things that you never dreamed that you're going to do because you cannot turn your back on God and walk out of the house of God without coming back to the house of God with a lot of scars and a lot of trouble and a lot of persecution. Amen. He told me here a while back, he said, preacher, I thought you was in left field. But he said, I have done things that I would to God that I never have done. And he said, I knew that I shouldn't have done them, but I did them. And he said, I never dreamed that I would do them, but I've done them. And he said, it's there. And I want you to know he'll come to church, but he cannot feel God. He doesn't have a desire to come to the altar. He does not want to get right with God. But if I can share some my heart and shake up some of the young people and some of the young married and some of you older people, you're going to reap what you sow, honey, whether it's to your children or where, but you're going to reap it. Church don't like to hear messages like this. You put corn in the ground, it's coming up corn. Put wheat into the ground, it's coming up wheat. Samuel, you knew better. He disguised himself and went to the witch of Endor. But his greatest desire of all was, Samuel, don't desert me. And the Bible said that Samuel wept and cried. And the Lord said, Get up, Samuel. Quit your crying. There's another man that I have got to set in his stead. Amen. He loves me. He worships me. Amen. Go find him. Go to the house of Jesse. Get your anointing oil. I've got another man that's going to sit on the throne. Go get your horn of oil, and we're going to go over there. Listen to me. You know, some people think like, well, God just couldn't exist without me. And the church could not exist without me. Honey, I want to tell you something. He could do a better job without me. But I got to have him. I realize my inadequacy. Amen. I realize that I'm nothing and that he is everything. I have got to have him. God is going to have a church regardless whether I'm in the church or not. He's going to have a church whether you're in the church or not. But you got to have the Lord. Go on and sit there and backbite and fuss and ridicule. But honey, you're putting that in the ground and it's going to come up and it's going to haunt you. It's going to get you into the face and it's going to destroy your soul and damn your soul to hell. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. They are men that's in the crazy house. Amen. Men that are completely crazy. And the reason why they are, amen, is because they rejected the knowledge, amen, and the love of God. Praise the Lord. Everybody say, praise the Lord. He said, well, preacher, I think I'll just, just leave me alone. Amen. Oh, I pray tonight that some way that I can shake you up. Amen. To let you realize Amen. Oh, you need to do something about it. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. She turned to a pillar of salt. Amen. Let me just spend just a minute there. And uh, remember Lot's wife. Now we think, well, Solomon Gomorrah, a bunch of uh, illicit people. 
people with uh, uh, spirits and, and morality, the law of sodomites or homosexuality and all of this. Amen. But you cannot find anywhere where Lot's wife was connected with this. You can't find it. You can't find it. You can find that the city was full of it, wanting to come to Lot's house. Amen. But the Lord said, remember Lot's wife. Why did he say, remember Lot? Remember Lot's wife. Why did he say that? He said that for one thing to the church. There are a lot of people that come to church, but their heart is not in it. She was leaving the city of Solomon Gomorrah, but her heart wasn't in it. Amen. What did she say? The Lord said, the angel said, we're going to destroy the city. What did Lot and his wife say? Not so. Not so. Read it when you go home. Not so. Doubting even the angels of the Lord. And she turned to a pillar of salt. Now, I'm not going to the store. I could spend two hours in Sodom and Gomorrah. I preach on it a lot. Amen. But I want you to know that Lot, because of his half-hearted idea of living. Amen. All right, now, number one. Let's just go back. Let me just bear in just a few minutes. Why did Lot leave Abraham? Because, number one, of strife. Now, what is strife? Go home and look it up in the dictionary. It'll tell you competition. Competitive. I'm better than you are. I'm more spiritual than what you are. Amen. I've got a place for my people to play, but they'll never be competitive sports in the church or connected with the church. Amen. Because of competition is strife. And where strife is, that is the first step of backsliding. Let's just bring it a little further. If I can't sing, and so I can sing as good as so-and-so can sing. Amen. It doesn't matter. Amen. The fact is, if you've got strife in your heart and in your life, you are in the first stage of backsliding. Now, the second step was that he pitched his tents towards Sodom, the Bible said. Amen. He looked towards Sodom. Amen. The Bible said if a man put his hand to the plow and turn around, he's not fit for the kingdom of God. All right. Let me just tell you a good title of a message. When a man turns around, he is half backslid already. Go to your heart, your mind, full of things that's unlike God. You are half backslid already. And then he pitched his tent. Then he went. No altars in Solomon. Nothing at all. But he said, I'll go. You know, really, let me just say this just for a few minutes. Let me just put it in Brother Davis's language. When Lot went there, and all of a sudden, amen, all of his spoil, everything was taken. The story tells us that he was taken. They had war. God spoke to Abraham, took his 318 men, went after Lot, amen, and tried to bring them back, amen. And when he brought them back, amen, they tried to give Abraham money. Abraham said, I don't want no money. I don't want nothing at all, amen. And so he brought them back, amen. And I can hear the voice of the Lord. I sent Abraham after him. Now Lot will love me. Did Lot love him? No. Did Lot care about him? No. Why is it that every time that a person gets in trouble, they call the preacher? Amen. I have them all the time in the jails in Dallas. 
Amen. I went to see them. And when I went to see them, I've heard cries. Preacher, I'm sat in your church and I'm sorry. I don't know why that I'm here. Please pray for me that I'll get out. And oh, when they got out, do you think they're coming to church? No, no, no. They're not coming to church. Amen. Their heart, all they want to do is get out of trouble and, and, and where they can go out and do what they want to do. Lot's wife, amen. The Bible said that she turned to a pillar of salt. Her two children, the two children that they had, amen, they was unmarried. They got the father drunk. Amen. They both conceived of Lot. It was an outcast, a reproach, a filth of the city. You never hear no more about Lot. He was an outcast. He was no good. He was a nothing. And he sat elbow to elbow with Abraham, Abram at the altar. If we could bring Lot back tonight, he'd say to you, love him, worship him. Don't be a fool like I was. Love the Lord with all thy heart, thy soul, mind, strength. Lot lost it all. I'm talking to someone here tonight, and you know people that just bless God. I pastored a man one time. Amen. He thought that he could run everything. That's when I was in Mississippi. He thought what he didn't know wasn't worth knowing. And boy, he could do his little two-step forward and two-step in return. Talk about me, run me down like a dog. Everything. And get by with it. And one night I got tired of it. Amen. I said, I stood behind us and someone was leading. I said, God of heaven, if you've ever heard my cry, hear it now. Stop him in his shoes. Don't let him feel anything. Don't let him feel even a trickle of thy spirit. His heart is not right with God. Stop it, Lord. He's making a mockery of you in the church. And I watched him reach out. He couldn't get it. He reached out, couldn't get it. He reached out, couldn't get it. He reached out and couldn't get it. He reached out and couldn't get it. And after a while, when church was over with, he came to me. He said, Preacher, I said, I want you to forgive me. He said, I'm sorry. I want you to have mercy on me. You say, Preacher, did you salvage the man? Let me put another time. I told him, I said, I'm praying for God to take the tares out of the church. And you're one of them. I looked and pointed right in his face. I said, you're one of them. And God's going to send you to hell if you don't turn around. He looked at me and he said, preacher, he said, forgive me. I'm sorry. And he wept and he cried. And when I went to Dallas, you know who come to see me and hear me preach? It was the same very man. The best friend you ever have, my friend, is a preacher that will dig you up and spit you out and turn you in a direction toward God. best friend you ever have is the church that's your life that's your heart that's everything the church means that much to me I would sell my car amen I would sell my home I would sell everything I had to give it to the house of God how about you my friend hey let's get down to the nitty gritty now let's how about you what is your value of the church I was born with that atmosphere I was born with that integrity, amen, of a family that loved God. Back when I come in the church, dad and mother come in the church, 1937, 1936, you couldn't borrow no money. Amen, the church, the only way the church could survive or build anything would be to have people give so many thousand dollars. And then they would, they would pay them back when they could, maybe give them maybe a little bit of interest and so forth. That was before anybody ever preached about usury and all this, that, and the other. 
Amen. They didn't know what usury was back then. Amen. Usury is interest. But uh, uh, person, this person will give maybe $50, and this one will give 100 and this one will give 1000 if they had it, and this one will give more. Amen. And, and I want you to know that's how they built the church. They built the old home place of the church. Amen. At 1079 South Arlington Street. The church is worth a half a million dollars today. The same church that cost about $3,000 back then. Amen. On a big, beautiful four-lane, high, six-lane highway out in the most beautiful part of the city. Amen. And so there was one man that, 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 that uh, decided, I'm going to close this thing down. The church owes me a couple thousand dollars. I was the head man. And there's nobody in the church got that kind of money. And I'm going to take it over. I'm going to shut the door. And nobody's going to be able to preach in that place. I'm sick of that preacher. I'm tired of him telling us what to do. Amen. And so he made up his mind. He got him a lawyer. And my dad was one of the trustees of the church. Amen. My dad got the, uh, got the letter. And you all suspended the court. Amen. They're going to sue them all and close the doors of the church. Nobody can go to church no more. Amen. And I want you to know my daddy. Amen. He loved the preacher. He loved the house of God. My daddy was a preacher's friend. He loved him surpass all. Amen. I want you to know my daddy took the old deed to the old home place. He went down to the bank and he asked the banker, said, I want to borrow some money. And the banker said, what do you want it for? He said, it's none of your business. I need at least, I think it was $2,000. Amen. I'm talking about back in the 40s when money, amen, that would be like $100,000 probably today. Amen. He said, I need $2,000. Here's the old deed to the home place. You can have it. It's free and clear. And the man said, all right. Said, we'll do it. And they appraised the home. They gave my dad the money. He put the money in his pocket and he went before the attorney. Amen. All the trustees of the church and poor old Brother White sitting there, sweat running out of his face, out of his hair, wondering what the, uh, what the attorney was going to be. Amen. And the, and the attorney said, all right. He said, we've got a man here by the name of West and he has brought suit and charges against the church and the church owes him X number of dollars and we're going to close shut the doors of the church and my dad got up and he said oh no you won't you'll never shut the doors of the church amen he walked to the attorney took the money out of his pocket and gave it to the attorney and he said the church is free get a note of release from that man leave him alone he can't come back he's disfellowship from the church we don't want him there no more amen and the bible and, and he said the attorney said to my dad my dad said what are you going to do with this man white and my dad said you keep your dirty rotten hands off of him he's a preacher I love him he's going to preach that's why it's in my blood that's why it's there that's why God called me honey there is nothing that's more important to me and it should be to you than the church honey it's going to be the lifeline of your family it's going to be the lifeline of your soul this is going to be the last place you're going to lay in front of someday. If I could shake you up to let you realize you might win your little argument, but you're going to damn your soul. My Lord, I didn't mean to go into that. Mm. I've seen people so bullheaded. My brother is one of them. We come from a bunch of pouting bunch. That's the truth. Didn't get our way. Bless God, get mad, busted up. He says, that in you? You're mighty right. When I don't pray, it's in it. But this old boy prays to bring it under subjection. 
My grandpa, he was just so bad. He built him a house on the side of the field of the house. Yes, sir. He built him a pouting house. He sent his boys after the food. He wouldn't go in the house for a month at a time. He said, the boys said, boys said, come bring me some vittles. That's right. But Grandpa never got out of there. He was mad. He wanted the mama to know he was mad. Pouting, mad. Oh, let's let the Lord talk for you, man. What's eating your lunch, honey? You sitting there and won't worship. Hello. In a pouting house. When that gets into your crawl, man, I mean, you are serious problems of God. Amen. Well, glory. Let's go a little farther. Let's get out of the pouting house. I could spend a long time about that. When work was to be done, I better, how many of you go a little step farther? When work was to be done, some of you just like my grandpa was, oh, sick, give me the camphor bottle, quick. Amen. Oh, I'm having a time. Boy, there ain't no life like a preacher. <laughs> preacher calls for something to be done. Mm, sick, got to go, friends. Got to go to my relative, somebody in the hospital. Oh, I'm sick, get me the camphor bottle. That's what they used to say, get me the camphor bottle. Amen. Now something else. But give me the camphor bottle. Oh, Grandpa, I've seen him many times. Every time she'd say, "Go out and milk the cows." He said, oh. "I feel a little dumpsy." He said, "Get me the camphor bottle." And poor old Grandma, she'd get the bucket in the way she'd go, go milk the cows. Amen. Hello. <laughs> Amen. Well, glory's getting quiet in here tonight. Mm. Still preaching about the Moabite on the back. Let me get back into it. Amen. So the Bible said, remember Lot's wife. Amen. Jesus said, amen. She turned to a pillar of salt. Amen. Oh, she lost everything. Amen. She lost her life. She lost her kids. Amen. They didn't believe him. They didn't believe Lot. They thought he was crazy. When you go to your children and say, the Lord's coming, they said, heard that before. They don't believe it. They don't believe it. But with compassion and love of God, so forth in your heart, amen, they'll let you realize, amen, and believe that Jesus is coming. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. You see, strange things happen around the church. As a man, I was in Jackson, Mississippi for quite a while. I assisted Tom after three years and went on the southern part of the state, three and a half years, been Dallas 13 and a half years. And, uh, but while I was there, I got to praying one night, and the Lord said, there's a man that's coming that you better pray tonight with, and you better pray with him like you never prayed before because he's in serious trouble. And so I prayed with him. Paul Davis was his name. Paul Davis is strong. He prayed. And I prayed him through the Holy Ghost. Everything was beautiful. Well, he got, he just couldn't see how the world it seemed like, and, and finally he backslid. I went to uh, the southern part of the state. Like I said, I went over to Dallas. And I was over, I'd come back over there for some reason or another to see my dad, I guess maybe when he was living. And I went to church with him. And I watched uh, Paul Davis' sister's wife as she shouted up and down the aisle, worshiping the Lord. And her and her little child just worshiping the Lord, just loving God. And I came home, 
And the next evening, amen, I got a phone call. I believe it was the next evening I got the phone call and said, you know what happened? I said, no. And they said, Paul Davis, do you know, remember him, sister? I said, yeah, I know him, know him well. And he said, he done a terrible thing. I said, what did he do? He said, his wife, he said, she knows she comes to church all the time, but Paul Davis wouldn't come. He was a backslider. He told his wife, he said, you're not going to church this morning. That was Sunday morning. I was there on Sunday night, or Saturday night. He said, you're not going to church tomorrow morning. He said, I, he said you're not going. She said, I'm a going regardless. And so she got up. She started to get her clothes on. She got her slip on, underclothes, her slip. Amen. He got the gun out of the drawer. Amen. And he said, you're not going today. She said, I am going. And she ran to the door and out the sidewalk she went. And he took the gun and shot her and killed her dead and shot the child and killed him. Hey, this man had a father that was the greatest man that I ever knew as far as a peacemaker. That man was a peacemaker. Amen. The night, amen, that he died. He died in the house of God in convulsions there. When I laid my hands upon him and prayed for him, amen, he went out. God took him. But his children, amen, they never could get a hold of God and live for God like they need to. You don't believe the story? Ask Carlton Watkins. He's related to them. The man took a gun, shot them, and killed them. Some of the worst things that happen, amen, in Pentecost is backslid people. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. And so here he is in the jailhouse. If he's still there, he might be out by now. I don't know. But the memory. So he does try to come back to church. If he could get back. What a memory to have. To carry upon the back of him. The Moabite on the back. This is what I'm preaching about. Scars, troubles, things on the back that you carry with you to the day you die. Amen. Oh, I could tell you a lot of stories. Amen. There's a man in my hometown, Earl Reynolds by name. Amen. This man, he was a preacher. Amen. He was a lay preacher. What do you call a lay preacher? He never did what an evangelizer. He just felt his call to preach and, and kind of hung around the church. And then he went and he became the dean of the Bible school, Ohio Bible College. That man would get up, and I could hear him. And I thought, Lord, if I could quote the Scripture like that man, how good it would be for me. He would quote and quote and quote and quote and quote and quote. I remember I went up to see my brother, and I began to talk to him. And he said to me, he said, I want you to do something for me. He said, I want you to go pray for Earl. I said, all right, I will. Amen. And so we got in the car and we went there. I got the bottle of oil. I don't know. I didn't get the oil. I didn't get the oil. I laid hands upon him. I prayed for him. And there was no movement whatsoever. And I walked out of the house. And my brother said to me, he said, what do you think? I said, he is a dead man. He is a dead man. There is something in that man's life. He is dead according to the work of God and the spirit of God. And my brother looked at me and he said, I don't know. I said, he's dead. You mark it. He's dead. He lost his wife. He had a young boy that was a preacher in our fellowship. The last time I saw him, a full growth of beard away from his wife, backslid in a terrible condition. 
The last time I saw Earl, the last time I saw him was in a house coat. Amen. And standing in the front of his house, he had been drinking. He was drunk. Amen. And he told my brother, and my brothers talked with him over and over. Come on, let's go to church. He told my brother, and he'll tell you tonight, don't talk to me about God. I am a dead man. God don't deal with me no more. He has shut the heavens. God doesn't deal with me no more. I'm dead. Leave me alone. Don't invite me to come to church. The Madge, the wife that he had was Madge. She went her way. He remarried. And he's nothing but a drunk. He's nothing but nothing at all. He's nothing but a dead man. White hair upon his head. He looked like a raven maniac when the last time I saw him about three years ago. He meant a man that used to stand behind the sacred desk. And, and and quote and talk about God and was the dean of the Bible school. Amen. A man very well educated in the word of God. And God said, all right, you took your love for me and you've let other things come in and things are like me. I'll make you dead, my friend. How sad it is to talk to people. I remember he's just a few years older than what I am. He's told my brother over and over, don't mention church. I'm dead. God, don't deal with me no more. I'm dead. Leave me alone. Praise God. The Moabite on the back. I have heard it said of preachers that lost out with God. They always get a sermon to preach but can never put it together. A while back, I come back from the west part of, southwest part of Texas. I was preaching. I come back Sunday afternoon to church, and I begin to weep. I said, God of heaven, hear me. Lord, whatever you do, don't let me be a has-been. Don't let my son preach. My daddy used to preach this word, but something got into his heart, and something destroyed him. I said, God, kill me. Let me die, but don't let me be a has-been. Don't let me walk around where I used to know you. But, oh, listen to me tonight. I'm talking to somebody here tonight that if you don't turn around and you don't get your heart the way that God wants it, you are going to be turned over to a reprobate mind. You said, preacher, I was doing good to you come, but God sent me to shake you and to warn you, you're not going to get away with it. There's a young man in my church, pastor in Columbia. I don't mind mentioning names. Jerry Soshi by name. I prayed with him. Man, he could give to missions, but he never pays tithes. He could always give to the evangelist, but he never could support the work. He could always find reasons for everything. And his wife was in the same public condition. I know she was. And uh, when I left, I prayed with him several times. He never did get through like he needed to get through. Finally, after I left, 
Amen. Strange things begin to happen. Amen. I got a, I got a letter. Amen. My, uh, I got a man and his wife in the church from Marion County. Amen. The county where this all happened, where I used to pastor. And her mama lives there, and she sends the paper to her. Amen. And she said, oh, Brother Davis, you remember Jerry? I said, yes. He got in trouble. He embezzled $10,000 from the school district, and they put him in jail. And he got out on bond, and he got him a job. Amen. Working offshore three days on or a week on a week off. I think that's the way it is, how they work a week on, a week off. Amen. And so I, did, I just let it go on by. And, and uh, this was about within less than a year after I left the church. Amen. And, uh, and so uh, uh, it wasn't long, amen, that that man... That that very man, one day I picked up the paper, and several years ago, if you remember the great explosion off of, off of uh, Galveston where an oil rig exploded and men were thrown into the ocean, the man that I'm talking to you about was one of them. They fished him out of the ocean. He was charred, burned from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. Amen. He was the man that his daddy used to preach this gospel. His daddy and mama, his mama loved me. Amen. She told me. She said, I have, and everybody said, what have you got on that woman, preacher? He said, they said, you are the only one. She's a farmer and her dad and her husband was dead. Amen. You are the only man that she has ever gave a calf to every year. Amen. She tell me, she said, I'd count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And she said, when it got to the 10th one, it was yours. Amen. She told me, she said, Brother David, she said this year, one year I remember telling me, she said, the tenth one was the most scrawniest little thing that you'd ever seen. And she said, God, this is the preacher's calf. How can it be so skinny? How can it be so scrawny? She said, it is the worst of all. And she said, I said, God, it should be the very best. And when the time come for slaughter, the one that she gave to me was the biggest and the fattest of the stall of all the herd that was there. And she said, preacher, however you want it, cut up. Just tell the, tell the butcher shop. She said, it's down there. Tell them how you want it. It's yours, my friend. Her love for the work of God. But there was something that never got into that boy. There was something that never got into that boy. And the wife and the two children stood around the casket and I heard people say, it was the deadest. It was the hardest funeral that they'd ever attended because them poor little kids could not understand why daddy was in the casket. Oh, about on the back. I wonder how she feels, her half-hearted life, and the way she lived. I know too much. Walks around, husband in the grave, all because of not selling out and living for God. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You say, preacher. Does this actually happen? There was another man in the same church. There's only 11 men in the church. Another man in the church. I, wanted, I had a business meeting, and I wanted to do something. He stood up, and he said, Preacher, we can't afford it. And I talked there for a while, and there were several. And I'm not going to go into the whole discussion, the whole thing. But uh, finally, when they didn't get his will and his way, he went and went to another church. But before he went, he was laying tile in one of the Sunday school rooms one night, and he told me these words. He said, Preacher, I'm afraid to say one word against you. He said, I'm afraid God will kill me. He had that much fear 
with the man of God. He said, I'm afraid God will kill me. He went to another church. And he, and, he, and he told me, and, he, and he, he loved me. He tried his best to, but he couldn't line up his home. All right, let's go a little step farther in the story. They moved to another part of Mississippi. And the pastor told me, he said, I have never seen a man so restless in all of my life. He said that finally one day, he finally got tired of all of it. I'm talking about a man, six foot one, six foot two, perfect specimen of health, a young man, younger than what I am. And he pulled his car up on top of the railroad tracks there at Gaucher, Mississippi. Amen. And the whistle on the train, the conductor said, I blowed the whistle. Get off the track. Get off the track. Get off the track. And he blowed and he blowed. And the train went through the car and the they picked him up and buried him. You say, preacher, we ain't never had nothing like this around here. But I want to tell you something, honey. God sent me here to warn you. You're not going to play with God. You're not going to destroy this church. Amen. This church was purchased by the blood of the Lord. And I'm not some smart aleck. But I'm here to tell you that God is going to take vengeance upon you. Unless your heart and your soul gets in this thing. Oh, God is tired of the hindrance of the move and the quickening of the Spirit of God. The Bible said, grieve not the Spirit. And there's some that is grieving the Spirit of the Lord. But the church needs to stand on the Word of God and say, devil, you're a liar. You're a liar. We're going to have revival regardless, whatever it may take. Love the Lord. Shandola Motisikil Mahayat. Another young man in the same church came in, who Larry Merritt. Boy, he was a good-looking boy. Boy, I mean, he, he had such a beautiful speech about him. He said, Brother Davis, he said, can I help you build the tables, the center of interest tables and so forth? That's when we build them. Oh, yeah, you can come. He wanted to get his little paintbrush and paint the tables and help me build them. And Boy, he really liked it. And, and all of a sudden, uh, we took communion one night and and as he started taking communion, I looked at him, and I knew death was there. And he went ahead and took it anyway. And when he took communion, that was the last night that he ever would come into the church. But he always corresponded with us. He left the church, and he decided that he'd go in the Marine Corps. And uh, my wife has still got letters in her drawer from the service in the Marines where he was at. And... Uh, <coughs> her and he said uh, oh sister davis every night on wednesday sunday morning sunday night at church time he said you don't see me there but i'm there he said it's such a terrible place to be in the service all they ever teach is how to kill a person he said in fact he said i have been trained 
that I could kill a person nobody ever knowed. He said, it would take just about three or four seconds. He said, with a finger at the right place, he said, can destroy life. He said, nobody ever know it. I got the letters. And then he said, he went on and began to tell me, he said, pray for me. He came home on furlough. He didn't come to church. He found him a little young girl out there somewhere. And they may, and, and after he went back, they said she was expecting. And he told me, he said, it's not my kid, Brother Davis. I don't want to marry her. He said, I don't want to marry her, but my family and her family is making us marry. And so they had to marry. I went on to Dallas, pastoring in Dallas. Like I said, I got one family the church gets the paper, a Marion County paper. And I've got it somewhere that the court, hey amen, the little three-year-old girl died accidentally. And, they, and he took out some insurance on the child. And they questioned the insurance. Honey, I had enough in my files that would have convicted him, hey amen, before the jury ever started on him. If they could have got a hold of it. They said that they wanted to make sure that it was accidental. And they dug that three-year-old girl up out of the grave, and they checked her. And they found out that the man that I used to pastor, the man that used to talk in tongues, the man that loved me so dearly, the man that felt his call into the work of God, he had put his fingers in the right place and killed that little three-year-old girl and put her to her grave. And tonight, he's in Parchment, Mississippi, in the prison house. He'd been with a Moabite on his back. Oh, if I'd have went to church, if I'd have got into it, Every time the church door is open, he said, Sister Davis, I'm there, but you can't see me. So here we are in church. He's come in, our little patty cake. But honey, get in this thing with all your heart. God ain't going to put up with you. You're going to hang something on your back before it's all over. You're going to hang something on your back before it's all over. You're going to hang there. I could tell you stories to the wee hours of the morning. Amen. Of how people had walked out of the house of God. Now, let me just bring myself into it. I was born and almost raised in the church, six years of age, perfect attendance. Mom and Daddy started attending in 1937. I was born 31, six years old. I got a Bible somewhere, a perfect attendance from my Sunday school teacher. And man, they just loved me to death. I'd seen so much hypocrisy in the old home church. I really did. And I'm not going into all of that. And finally, when I got 18 years old, I told my mama, I said, Mama, I'm not going back to church no more. I've had enough of it. She looked at me with tears in her eyes. I said, you all have lived for God. You and Daddy have lived for God. I know you have. But that church, I don't want nothing to do with it. But there was one thing that my Daddy taught me. Listen to me. And there's one thing you better teach your children. You better keep your mouth shut about the church and only say good things. My Daddy, people came to the house. 
amen, and begin to talk about this, that, and the other against the preacher because my dad held the office. Amen. They came to him. My daddy would look at them and say, look, at, I want to tell you something. Don't tell me none of that. I don't want to hear it. It's hard enough for me to, to keep my own family and everything straight. If you've got anything to say, go tell the preacher. I've heard my mother tell a saint. I'm talking about a woman that had been in the church for a long time and began to feed my mother some stuff. And my mother looked at her and said, you're a lion. Get out of here. Don't you ever come back. You're not going to destroy my soul. Get out. Honey, I want to tell you something. When I was 18, I got me a job. I said, I'll never go back. I never had the Holy Ghost. All I was baptized, but I never got the Holy Ghost. Amen. But there was one thing that was put in my heart, Brother Lee, was the fact was, that's the house of God. That's the house of God. That's the house of God. I remember coming home and driving by the old home church. Amen. I'd been drinking and so forth. And I'd look at that church. Amen. But I wouldn't stand there and cuss it. And I wouldn't stand there and rebuke it. I would always say, I'd look at it. I said, that's where God dwells, but I'm not there. I love the church. I love the church. And if I hadn't loved the church, I don't believe I'd be a preacher tonight. But there was something about me that loved the church because when I went home, it wasn't bad mouth on the preacher. It wasn't running down the church. It was lifting the church up. There's no man like the pastor and his wife. They loved them, and they loved them with all their heart. I said, I'm not going back. I'm through with it. I'm sick of it. I married me a woman from from West Virginia, amen, from up, uh, up out of Weston, amen, a beautiful little girl, five foot tall, my eyes, she only weighed 99 pounds, and oh, she was the apple of my eye, and, and I had the preacher, the pastor of the church, he come and married us in my home, the old home place, and, and uh, we had, uh, we, we was, I was getting ready to go into the Navy, and uh, and we got, I got married, and, uh, and, and mother was so excited, and, and mama wanted me to go to church. And I said, no, I'm not going to church. I'm not having to do the church. Leave the church alone. I'm not going to church. I never took her to church. I didn't know nothing about the church whatsoever. Amen. I had saved my money. I had saved a lot, of, quite a bit of money. I'd saved me and her both worked. Amen. I'd saved my, my money. I got in the Navy. Amen. I had $3,000 that we'd had in the bank. Amen. That's a lot of money back in 54. Amen. I had a new automobile with just a little bit owed on it yet. Brand new Ford Converter. Amen. I had it all made, I thought. Amen. All of a sudden, amen, I want you to know, out of a clear blue sky, there was a man that was a third-class petty officer. He knocked on my door one day, and I wasn't there. I was at the, at the gate. Amen. And he knocked on the door, and, he op- and my wife opened the door, and he looked at her, and he said, I come, he said, to, 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 to talk to you for a while. She said, get out. Leave me alone. And he said, no, I won't. I desire you. I want you. And he made his way in. And he told her, he said, I love you. I've got to have something with you. Or he said, I'll kill you. And she said, you'll have to kill me. I'll never give in to you. And he walked over to the side. And he picked up a hammer. And he beat her seven times on top of the head. He broke her ribs. He broke her arms. And when I found her, there was nothing but a big pool of blood that was there. All beaten and rithered together. Oh, there! What a terrible, terrible place! And my brother said, "Why don't you come to the house of God?" Well, I said, "No, no, 
No, no, no. I went to visit the man in prison in Maryland, Patuxent River, Maryland, where it happened. And I went to the prison house, and I went to see him. And I wasn't in the church, like I said. And when I saw him, I looked at him, and I began to curse him. And he said, do and say whatever you want to. He said, you had a beautiful wife. You had a wonderful wife. And he said, I didn't want to kill her. But he said, I had to. I had to. He said, I had to kill her. And he said, oh, let me out. Let me out of here. And he was a raging maniac. Amen. He had claustrophobia. He couldn't stand to be locked up. Amen. He walked from side to cell to the side of the cell. And the jailer told me below, said he cries in the middle of the night. Let me out. Let me out. I promise I won't walk out. Just unlock that door. Get that door unlocked. I'm talking to somebody here tonight. You're going to get into a place, into a prison house, where you're going to look and try to get out. But you can't get out. It's going to be there because you've lived like you want to live and you've lived like a hypocrite and you've been against everybody and everything but you can't fight against God because when you fight against God and the man of God, your soul my friend is in trouble and you're going to burn but before you burn, it's going to be agony. It's going to be misery. It's going to be trials. It's going to be troubles and you're going to have an old Moabite hang on your back and you can't get it off. I preached to you tonight with an old Moabite hanging on my back. And the voice of her says, Preach. Tell him not to come to this place. She's in hell, my friend. Burning in hell. And the devil says, I'm going to get you. He's all the time. I said, No, you're not. You'll never get me. I made up my mind. I'm going to love God. I might have a Moabite on my back, but I love him. I'm going to worship him. But that Moabite I got on my back will be on my back till the day I die. It's there. It's there. I can't get it off. It's there. And some of you young people, you're going to carry him. You're going to carry him unless you make up your mind to love him. Above all, you're going to carry something on your back and you carry it to your grave. Shall we love him? Honey, you don't walk in this place. This is not the first Baptist church. This is the first washing Pentecostal church. He washes you. When you come through the door. I ran across the scripture the other day, closing. Sister Lee, somebody, would you come? Ecclesiastes 11, chapter, verse number 7 through 10. Don't turn there. It says, The days of darkness shall be many. My Lord, my Lord. I guess the hardest thing for this old preacher to ever see done is to see somebody that you love stand there 
and watched him shut the lid on that casket in darkness. And the days of darkness shall be many. Oh, church, just a few years, and then we enter into the chambers of darkness. Oh, God, light the way where I'll be asleep in you instead of the darkness of the grave of hell. For the days of darkness shall be many. I'm talking to some people here that you're just going to keep your little way and you're not going to get in this thing. Honey, God is telling me to tell you right now, you better shape up because you're going out. But don't enter them days of darkness. Please, I beseech you. I beg you. This church needs you. You need God. This pastor loves you. He needs you to build a monument for God. Quit fighting against the hands of God. Or you'll catch yourself walking the lonely streets of the city with a Moabite on your back. Get it off. No, can't get it off. It's there. Oh, I remember her well. 31, 32 years ago, April the 4th, my world closed. And the 7th, when I took all my money I saved for my home, and buried it between two lonely hills with a little river flowing beside of it in the old Masonic Cemetery in the middle lies a grave Iona Josephine Davis what will God have to do to you wake you up. What will he have to do? These altars is open. What will he have to do? Iona Josephine Davis. I can hear her voice saying, Jim, preach! Tell him! Don't come to this place. It's hot. Fire. Don't tell him, come here. You see, I've got someone dear there. It's on my back. Can't get it off. I may shout. I may praise the Lord. I may love him. But there's a, there's a body hanging on my back. Because I wouldn't live for God when I was a young teenager. It's there. Can't get it off. It's there. 
And I'm talking to several. You're going to have one hanging on your back. You're going to have some children on your back, sir. Because you won't live for God. You run this church down. You better go to them and repent and say, God, have mercy on me. You better love this preacher. He's the best friend you ever had. He's not against you. He's just against sin. He's against rebellion. My Lord, I'd hate to have your case in Judgment Day. Come home. Come home. These altars is open. Come on. Be a man. Be a man. Don't kneel back here. Kneel up here. Pray through. Get behind this man. Love him. Love his wife. Help him. Don't fight against God. Don't fight against God. These altars is open. Come on. Come on. Young person, you better get it in your claw. You better get the church in your heart like you never had it in there. Because if you don't, you're going to carry one.